Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Eating Crow Podcast. Here's your host, Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Eating Crow. Today we're honored to have Asger Lindholt. Asger is a he's a frustrated engineer who felt like he could really do a great job helping other technical people and entrepreneurs learn how to present in public. It's it's a learned art, it's something people have a very difficult time with. And Asger does a great job of giving us some really pointed and key advice on how to address and solve this problem. So some of his biggest tips are intention, structure, and delivery. If you can conquer those three things, what's your intention? How do you structure your presentation? And then some tips on how to deliver it. Listen as Asger walks us through why he felt inspired to do this. These three tips and other really important aspects of nailing a public technical presentation. Hope you enjoy the episode. Asger, it's good to have you here. You are a fellow engineer who likes to help people talk. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pete, for inviting me. It's a real pleasure and honor. So tell us, you know, tell me about the the moment in your career when you realized I need to go help someone communicate their value proposition differently than they have. Was it, were you sitting in a presentation and watching someone do this or was it your own presentation that you realized I, there are things I could work on? Describe the moment where you realized I need to be doing something else. Yeah. So, um, it probably started uh, well many years ago, and what happened was I joined a course in in this engineering association because at that time I was working as an engineer, and I thought, yeah, it would be great to learn how to present. And uh, so I went for this course, a three-hour course in the evening. And after the course, I just thought, you know what, this is really fun. I like this, um, but but there weren't really that many courses, and um, I stumbled ac- across a club called Toastmasters. Sure, it's not a club where you. Uh, toast, uh, but it's actually where you learn to give presentations. And I joined that club, and I discovered, you know what, I had a real passion for presenting. And um, after that, I just kind of tried to evolve and get better. And then I've been trying to overcome my own insecurities along the way, and uh, just learn the craft really of presenting. And then for many years, I worked as an engineer, but I wasn't really fulfilled. I wasn't really passionate, and. Um, I didn't really know what to do, but then um, eventually I kind of said, you know what, this is my passion. And I, I decided to go down that path of helping other people. And uh, it's just so much fun when somebody comes in your door and you have a great session and they walk out and they say something like, now I know exactly what to do. And you can see it in their eyes. That, that's what makes the difference for me rather than looking into the screen, uh, which is what you probably do most of the time as an engineer. True. Very yeah. true. So. So if you were to if you were to tell me that the top three mistakes someone presenting either as let's give two examples. Mm. Uh, I'm an inventor, I'm an entrepreneur, I've started a business, I have a widget I need to sell. Yeah. What are the three biggest mistakes a young yeah. presenter typically makes? So uh I, I think there are a number of things people do wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to sell a thing, um the thing is Maybe you try to convince the people that this is amazing. You tell, see this amazing product. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you shouldn't 
tell, see how amazing this is, the audience should realize that through your demonstration. Sure. So if you have a printer, let's say you're selling a printer, you invented a new way of printing, you shouldn't be the one saying, oh, look, this is amazing. It's got all this. Maybe you just tell the features and say it's really beautiful. And you can have these uh, big prints, even though the printer is so small and you show it. I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's I need, I need that thing. Right. So it's about making the person go through a process so they realize this is what I need. Because if you just give the solution, the information, they're probably not going to act on it. Um, let's take a classical example of getting fit, getting in shape. It's, well, eat healthier, exercise a little bit more. I mean, how many people are going to act on that? Probably nobody. Very few, right? believe so me, I know. <laughs> if you, yeah, so if you could make people realize, you know what, this could help me in the long run. This could make me more energized. This could make me actually have more quality time maybe with my kids um, and enjoy my, you know, old time. So, so that would be one thing. I think so, so that's one thing. The next thing is really just being comfortable on the stage. And this is something I struggled with. Um, and we hear it all the time. Just be your authentic self. But you know what? Really just being okay, um, being on that stage, taking the time to feel, you know, what show those pictures. If you're mm -hmm. describing it, you need to, you know, paint a picture. Okay, here we, we see in this thing. You know, and then feel it. If you look at a speaker like Barack Obama, I watched that um, video he, where you talked about his okay. pauses. He feels yeah, I mean, it before he says it. Yeah. So he's a master of this. You know, he he will take the time to feel, and he'll be able to create those pictures. And I think many of us uh, we get a little bit anxious, and we think we need to bombard our audience with uh, loads of information, maybe out of insecurity. Or maybe because, oh, I just got 15 minutes. I got to really give them so much. But maybe you just want to give them one thing they leave with and like, yeah, that's what I got to do. Yeah, when when you yeah. were in your video, when you described the pause, right? And you, and you talked about how people mm. try to make it mechanical, take a three-second pause, yeah. think about more pauses, longer pauses. I really liked what you described. And by the way, you were effectively pausing in your video. So you were applying your own craft. Thanks. But obviously, this people in this country ha have seen, and you're in Copenhagen right now. For for those that are listening and, mm -hmm. and may not know where you're calling in from, I, I would agree. When when Barack Obama gave the speech at the Democratic National Convention four years before he was elected president, I was watching that, and I said to my wife, "There's the next president of the United States." Yeah. And she said, "What do you mean?" I said, "The reason he's in that particular slot is because that guy just crushed it, and they know it." He, I'm not going to have anybody pick their political views right now, but no wow. one can argue the fact that he was one of the most effective speakers we've had in the presidency. And you're right. I had never contemplated or considered what you just described. When I look back at his presentations, you're exactly right. He takes a pause and I can see him contemplating his next thought mm -hmm. and connecting with it. And then delivering in a way that resonates, right? His tone, his pace, his authenticity. He's very articulate. So I, I think you've offered people a very interesting way to think about public speaking. And what I mean by that is you talked about being comfortable. If you are comfortable with your material, it also means you're probably pretty passionate about it. Yeah. Right. If you're about to present the best printer in the world, 
it should be very natural. Right. Yeah. And I, I wrote, I wrote this down, you know, he said, don't convince, let the product convince them. And what I wrote mm. down is just print something. If it's that yeah. good, just print it and show them. Mm. Right. So yeah. you described, um, don't convince and then avoid being anxious, which is also really good advice. Just be comfortable. What would be your third tip that, that you see your clients when they come in that you have to address initially? Um, so a lot of things, it would be a lot of people, they uh, tend to give canned material, ah. meaning that you need to really consider the audience, mm -hmm. you know, all good communication starts with the audience. I mean, it's, it's all about that. It's never about you. Um, so for instance, a question I will ask myself always, who is the audience emotionally, mm -hmm. but what state are they in? You know, are you walking into a group that's stressed, you know, or are you walking into a group that, you know, maybe lacks a, the overview. Maybe they had a long session and you're the last speaker on that stage. Maybe you want to, you know, you know, group things together and say, you know what, when you leave today, you've had so much material and I have so much respect for you. You're taking time out here. You raised them up. You built them up. Mm -hmm. and, and you really acknowledge them for who they are. It's not just like, thank you, I'm here, because that's empty. You need to justify just by why you are here, because you know you took time out of your calendar. I know you're busy. You could have probably made some sales calls, but you chose to come here today and grow, learn. And it's all been a long day. And I want to give you what I've seen from the outside, three things, because you know it starts to get overwhelmed. If you focus on these three things and we then dive into it, but it just remember if it's too much, you know, these are the three things you should remember as a great speaker. It's intention. What's your intention for the audience? How to structure your talk and how to make a great delivery. Those are basically the three things you need. And now we can dive into it. But if you're feeling lost, remember, these are the three things you need to train and focus on. See, that's a way of you know, looking in who is the audience and thinking about it because too many times, you know, the, the CEO or the department manager will go in and give this camp presentation that he gave last year and say, okay, look at these slides. And we all remember them from last year. And, you know, and you're just feeling like, okay, he's speaking not to me, but to like a thing. And, and I see it so many times. You need to merely justify why are you there and, and you know, connect with the audience, really dive in. Who are they? You know, and why do you admire them? You know, why do you have respect for them? Well, those are really wonderful tips. Yeah. Our organization had four vendors just present their services to us. Mm. And we had, we had, we brought in our sales and marketing team to observe this. Yeah. Right. And it, it was a lesson in just what you described. So three of the four vendors were terrible. Okay. And I'll, I'll touch on the three and describe the fourth, why they were so good. So the first three had multiple people and we were on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. Most of the people didn't say anything. They were just there, which was somewhat distracting. They didn't have a role. Okay. The people presenting, number one, to your point, they were giving a canned presentation. Yeah. They were not prepared for questions. They didn't handle the price question at all. They waffled. And the most unfortunate thing in their presentations is when they were asked a question they didn't have a solid answer for, they, they didn't say that, right? I, 
uh, it happens all the time. By the way, you're you're engineer, right? And you're te- you're presenting something technical. Very often, you will be asked a question that's beyond your understanding of a current product. That's okay. Yeah. You just simply say, "That's a great question, Ezra. I don't know, but I will find the answer and get back to you." Instant credibility, right there. Yeah. There's no way to shoot a presenter for that because they just admitted they don't have the answer. No. The we could talk for days about the other presenters. Their 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 content was terrible, but the one that did really really well didn't even show a slide. Yeah. This person wrote down all of the, and by the way, never even went on camera. He, there was no one on the Zoom call. He didn't even show his face. Okay. He wrote down everyone's name on the call from our team, asked what their role was, understood what their role was. And throughout the demonstration, when one of us would ask a question, he would say, Pete, I believe that's you, correct? So he acknowledged the, the, the question. And then when he gave the answer, he paused at least every 30 to 45 seconds to say, Asger, did, did that, did that answer your question or what else can I provide you? So that connection you talked about was stellar. When they got to pricing, he had the answer crisp. Hmm. Uh, And at the end, he thanked every individual on the call, acknowledged their role, and then recapped what he just presented as a value proposition to that particular person's role. Hey, Pete, you were in operations. I think I just showed you how our, our service can save you 30% of the time and free up other resources to do X. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the end, he said, I, why don't you take two days to think about this? I'll connect with you on Monday. And then you can let me know if our services are of value to you. And if so, we'll move forward. If not, you know, we both have things to do. I understand. Our, our team got off the call astounded at the confidence of this person. So, you know, when you, you go back and look at what you just described, right? Mm. Intention, structure, which I want to talk about here in a minute, sure. and delivery. Let's break down all three of those. When you say intention, what does that mean to you when you're talking to, and, and by the way, I'm sure some of your clients mm. have not done a lot of public presenting. Sure. So when you say the word intention to an engineer who's very uncomfortable in front of an audience, mm. what, are you, what yeah. are you meaning? So the intention means really you should be able to feel that positive intention. That, okay. that what are you really trying to change within them? So it's not just about me get, making a sale. Okay. It's about they feel, you know, this sale, this product or whatever you're selling is there to help you. And like you said, this guy was just very upfront, very honest. Mm-hmm. You know what? This is my service. This is what I do. If you don't see the value in it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then we can just move forward. Um, so it's very much about that you can feel the intention is positive. It should be a win-win. Um, and so so uh, I think it's about that and really understanding where they're coming from. Um, instead of, I mean, the intention could be, let's say I go on stage and I show I got all this great material. That's an intention for me to show that I'm amazing. But this is not what it, it should be about. It should be about the audience. How can I help them? So if they feel this, hey, when Aska is speaking, he's really here to help me grow. He's not here to show off, which some speakers do. There's um, no question. You have a video where you talk about people throwing up their CV, right, yeah. as their intro. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to one of the things you actually have this in your LinkedIn profile. And I think this is 
there's some value to what you're describing here. So you say, I help solo entrepreneurs share their message from the stage. Yeah. That could be, that could be your intention. Yeah. That's my intention. Yeah. So if I'm in the audience, you're giving, and by the way, you did just at the end, you said, here's three things you need to do intention, structure, and delivery. So Hmm. in, in no point, did you talk about I'm the world's greatest public speaker? You said, here's what I'm going to offer you. Yeah. And then for the next 20 or 30 or minutes or 60 minutes, how you deliver that, the structure of your presentation will convey all the credibility you need. Yeah. Right. And most people send your bio out ahead of time. If they're going to watch you present, they're doing some research. They should kind of know who you are, unless it's truly a sales presentation. Then you've mm-hmm. got to, you know, you shouldn't be on the call if you're not qualified to do that sales presentation. I think customers would have to assume that. Right. Yeah. So uh, I, I really like the fact that what you want to do is feel the win-win. Yeah. Right? So the intention is to deliver something of value to the person who's listening to you. Now, you said something interesting. If they don't perceive it as valuable, one of two things happened. We didn't understand their intentions or their needs, right? And, and delivered mm-hmm. the wrong product or service. Or quite frankly, it's a timing. They, they said, we don't need this service at this time. Typically in a sales presentation, that's somewhat better line before you get on the call, right? You're, you're selling something. They're taking the call because they feel like you have something that's valuable. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in a public setting, right? If I'm raising money for the first time, let's think about that for a minute. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm raising money. Yeah. Well, the people you're raising money from aren't buying your product or service. They're buying no. you. Yeah. So that well, feels important. Yeah. If you're if you're coaching the intention aspect of an entrepreneur who's raising money, yeah, what are you telling them is the most important thing they can convey in the first three minutes to a potential investor? I I think that the vision, I mean that the, okay. the the story behind it. Um, at the moment, I'm actually working with a with a company, uh, and what they're doing is they are they're selling a service. You can say their service is really helping people finish their master thesis with a company. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that, because if you do get to to chance to collaborate with a company, when you do your master thesis or bachelor project, you have a much easier chance to work with that company. And, and, and even if you don't end up working with them, you do get some work experience. Sure. And what what the data shows is what he told me, at least, is that if you sometimes you tend to your first role when you finish your degree is you tend to get a role below your educational level. Mm-hmm. And the, cha- the problem with that is it's very hard to get back up where you actually deserve to be. Sure. So the story we worked on selling is really a good life, you know, working with what you truly are passionate about and what your skill level is. Because if you get on the wrong shelf, uh, too low a shelf from the beginning, it's very hard to get up on the r- correct shelf with your skill level. So, so really we're not just, he's not just selling a great master project. He's actually selling a great work life. And can you describe, can you show that? I'm like, okay, do you want to be on this journey helping all these students get a great work life and not just four or six months of a little bit more experience. So that's a story. And it's very hard to say no to that. Obviously then there are other steps. Can they investigate their money back? Sure. Are they, you know, do they get along with the team and, and so on? Do they trust them? But the, but the most important thing, I think, is the story behind that. You know, you, you did a couple of things that were val- of value there for our listeners. Many people, and I've, I've done hundreds of investor pitches. Mm. 
most technical presentations or technical inventors get to the how before they get to the why, right? They want to go up and put a slide up with a thousand words or graphics on it and describe how they do what they do. That's not important. The story of what is valuable in their product or service is the most important thing. This is why we do what we do. And you just described it. For those students, it's it's a good life. It's the value of their life, right? Putting them in the position to be successful from the beginning. And you also described why it's value, right? If you insert yourself on the bottom shelf, it's so much harder to get here. So uh, taking something that would be, I think, hard to describe, a master's project tool, and then describing that value is important. So uh, well done. I think the story is the most important thing. And you have to be a good storyteller for the rest of your life yeah. if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Definitely. I mean, and that's how the brain works. We, we get things through the brain. We, mm -hmm. you know, we, we think in pictures and huh. feelings. I mean, if you, if you listen to two people speaking and you just look, observe them, you'll notice that the most of the time they're just telling stories. Sure. They're painting pictures, they're doing emotions. And then the thing is, we, we tend to think we get up on stage and we should be all, you know, polished. We should be all, you know, perfect. And we put on what I call the speaking armor and like, oh, look at this, you know, mm -hmm. and it gets boring. It gets predictable and it's become so stiff, so inauthentic. And and a lot of times, like you mentioned, we, we think the slides is going to do it for us. But it's not really about the pictures you have on your screen. The real important pictures are the pictures you help the audience see from their mind. You know, do you see that? Oh, yeah, I see myself. Mm -hmm. If that was an investment, I see myself, you know, being on a picture with these 100 students that went through this or, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, I, I see myself as a as somebody that helped these people. Can you make that picture? Can you make them see that? Ooh, that's strong. Pictures, as you described, are feelings. They, create, they drive emotions. So yeah. you'll, you'll appreciate this. I spoke at a, a media conference in Chicago a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, and it was a technical conference. So it was some of the larger magazines in the technical industry in the United States. And there was an awards aspect of the, of the conference. And then there was a couple of keynote speakers. So I had the, the fortune of going after one of the speakers who did just what you described as the wrong thing to do. They got up and gave a very canned presentation with literally a thousand words in every slide and droned on and on and on. And I was watching the audience, you know, he lost them in the first three minutes. So there's nothing better, as you know, to go up someone like after someone like that. It's really hard no, not I mean, to look better. So it's, it's easy for you. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. and what I did is I put up probably 10 slides with two words in each slide. Okay, perfect. The two words were meant to trigger an emotion. And then I told stories of how they as technical people could do what you described, create a, a story and a vision and a value proposition to their customers when selling something technical that could be considered really boring. And the, uh, it was my first time at this conference. I don't think they'd seen a, a, what I'll just call myself a, a, a real salesperson in that environment. It was unusual. And we triggered a lot of emotion, a lot of buzz. We got the, we, we got the audience engaged and laughing and feeling good about what they were thinking. And the follow-up after that was really compelling. And the person that presented before me happened to be sitting at my table for dinner that night. And he just leaned over and said, how do I do that? Wow. Great. So 
you know, I, I, and this gets to, this leads into the reason I told the story. It leads into the second bullet you'd given us, which is structure. Yeah. This person's, and we're going to get to the third, which he did. His structure was awful. His delivery was terrible. His intention was good, but he didn't convey that. So when we think about structure and let's get specific so our, our audience can understand what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Let's say I've got 15 minutes yeah. in front of an audience. And by the way, a lot of people don't realize in many investor presentations or a client, you have 15 minutes to convey your value proposition, even yeah. less in some situations. What would you tell people are the most important things to provide either visually on a slide deck or verbally to get the customers to track your story down through the lead behind? What are your, what's your advice on structure? So the structure, I think, should be, first, you, you really need to show what's in it for the audience. Okay. You know, what is in it for them? You can either do it through a story. You can just be straight up. You have three ways we help people do this and this and this. Um, or question, have you ever experienced, you know, sitting on a bus or whatever, experience X, Y, Z, and then they put themselves in that story. And yes, okay, there's a problem. So mm -hmm. what's in it for the audience? That's really key. And, and you lift the audience up, you praise them. And then, so that's what I call the start. You need to have a great start. And so I have basically, we're not going to go through all five, but in start, the A, I have these five steps and start. A stands for what's in it for the audience. Mm -hmm. So either it could be a, through a phrase, through a question, or like you did, you had an exercise, maybe like talk to your partner 30 seconds about Y and Z. Mm -hmm. um, so do that. And you do, need to build up why is that important? That's the subject. Why is that important? You know, why is it important we help master students, or why is it important we, um, do whatever we do these printers uh, you know maybe we need to do something for the environment or we save office space and you need to you know maybe you want to find something that the audience hasn't seen before the typical things we, we tend to build what's in it for you is money or time but can you find something else maybe it could be less stress um or some some other thing you know you make life a little bit easier so you you, um, you describe two good things right which what's in it for the audience and then why mm -hmm. is it important yeah. Two different ways to ask the same question. You have to tell them right up front. This is why this is important. You, you said the word environment. For a lot of people, boy, that would get their attention, right? Yeah. Or I'm going to save you time, or I'm going to save you money, or I'm going to give you the, you know, whatever it is. Why is it important is really key. Yeah. And that why is the number one thing people want to know in the very first slide or opening statement yeah, yeah. is, why am I here? Yeah. So what? Yeah. I mean, one of our, because... our CFO's favorite questions, if I see that slide, I'm going to say, so what? What is the so what? What does it mean? Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. so, so the funny thing is as speakers, we tend to a lot of times get nervous, mm -hmm. but the audience is actually also a bit nervous. Most people, uh -huh. most people will think, am I in the right place? Should I even be here? But you, when you address it, what's in it for you? Like, yeah, okay, I'm in the right place. Sure. I'll pay attention. And they feel good. They relax a little bit. So we often don't, we forget a little bit the audience. They might feel a little bit anxious too. Did I, should I even be here? Is it a little bit stupid mm -hmm. that I came here or should I, you know, I've done something else. So, so start the positive thing. What is in it in a positive way? But, and then the second phase you go into a struggle because mm. what moves us people are essentially just two things. It's a positive thing towards something which you just described what's in it for you, what you, what you gain, but then the struggle away from something, mm -hmm. right? So you talk about the struggle, 
what are the problems if you continue to do this? Um, for, you know, you should share some stories, some points here. Um, you know, uh, Nokia, for instance, they, uh, they were just convinced back in the old days, we're doing great, we're selling loads of cell phones, but if they have had a story about the struggle, you know, and said, okay, you know what happens to great companies if they don't innovate over time? Well, you're probably going to lose the battle because there's someone in the East that's working their butt off and they want to beat you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so if you could have found maybe those stories and made them a little bit, okay, I better be on my toes. Here in Denmark, we have a company, you, you know, at Lego, right? Mm -hmm. And they were about to uh, go bankrupt. Probably seven, eight years ago, they made a big turnaround and now they're making loads of money. They're very successful. And I love the phrase that came out from the CEO a few years ago. And he said, we are two years from bankruptcy. And they were just making loads of money, the best year ever. And I think that explained everything. You know, we are, we should, we are still in trouble because we need to keep innovating all the time. So he put in that fear in the company and that, you know, you need to be humble and still, you know, there's the fear. So having the positive aspect and the struggle aspect, if you hit those two, people start to be, yeah, you know, we should probably do something about this, right? And then uh, an important part of any presentation is a story, you know, uh, what I call a holy shit moment, the moment where you're like, I got it, you know, yeah. we, we need to do this. Maybe it's, let's say you are out speaking to some people and you're like, yeah, we, we need feedback culture. Of course we need that. That's the thing we're missing. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have that? You share some stories, some turnarounds, so you get them real emotional with your story. You can use stories in the start, in the struggle, but you need to have a story uh, somewhere in your presentation. And then you really, you know, you build and you prepare the audience and they should hopefully be on the edge of their seats. You're like, I got to know what this is. How mm -hmm. do we do it? Now I want to know. And then you're ready to present your solution. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you make them, okay, look at this great thing. If we can make it, here's the problem. Okay, if we don't do it and here's the story, wow, it could be this you know, amazing thing. I think about, uh, so by the way, Nokia had a very large presence here in the Raleigh Research Triangle Park for a long time and, and now they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the Lego story, there's, I've heard many aspects of that business and it is a wonderful uh, story about how they reshape themselves, the use of yeah. the movies to do that and, and create a whole new audience for the products. Hmm. Uh, both my, both all my kids really enjoy Legos as a kid, as an engineer, I, I love doing it with them. So, yeah. but what's great is, you know, when you talk about, their CEO announcing, we are always two years away from bankruptcy. That's a great call to action. And if you think about technical presentations, you're typically trying to present something that's new and innovative to a customer base, which forces them to think outside the box, to innovate, to take a chance. And I, I'm going to use this, right? The, the concept of we're always two years from bankruptcy means if you don't do this, if you don't innovate and think about staying in front of your competition, you will be bankrupt. This is the solution that helps you innovate and stay in front of your customers. It's a great, to your point, it's the struggle. We're all struggling with that. So um, that's a unique message. You wove a story in there about Lego into your own presentation and it's, it, it was seamless, right? So well done. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the third thing, which I, I, I believe is the most difficult part 
for uh, someone who's not comfortable in front of an audience and that is the delivery, right? You and I can yeah. help create slides. We can help them understand the value prop. We can even give them the story. Yeah. But if it is not delivered in a compelling manner, it doesn't matter. The audience will tune out. Yeah. So when you think about someone who you can clearly tell is not comfortable from an audience, mm. either they're not confident, they don't have really good speaking skills. Mm. Where do you start with the delivery process? What's the first thing you start to work on and chip away at? Well, um, you got to identify really what's the root cause okay. of their fear, okay. of their nervousness. And, um, well, I can just share my own story. Sure. Um, a lot of the things... When I, I used to get very nervous on stage because, um, you know, my dad, he, um, he was a little bit hard. Uh, he didn't, you know, he wasn't the guy that would just praise you and, you know, say, hey, I love you, son. You're amazing. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to work for it. And even if I worked hard at it, I felt I didn't get the praise. And I remember one, back, one time back in um, eighth grade, I was so proud. Because I got a really good grade in math, and, and my dad is—he really cared about you know the scientific classes, and I had this you know this grade sheet in my hand, and and I was so proud, and I was you know I wanted to show it to him, and you know I was hoping he you know he would pat pat me on my head and say you know well done son I'm proud of you, so I remember just you know I lived in this small town with about twenty thousand people, and my parents lived in this house up on a little hill with some stone road and my dad worked as a high school teacher and so i remember he he came out i came back from school about two o'clock um and i remember walking on the sidewalk and i see him coming out of the, off the porch i'm like yeah now i can show it to him i was a little bit anxious because i didn't really know what he's going to say but I, I was pretty sure he's going to say it well done son and i, I give him the sheet right say so look dad i got 10 here in math which is a great good grade in denmark mm -hmm. and um he looked at it he said why isn't that 11 you know, and, you know, I, I just totally collapsed. And then you, you, we can have some traumas, some past events that um, you, you, you go into. And, and then for some reason, I, I needed to overcompensate on the stage. Look, you know, how good I am. So I, I gave like too much. You, you come out of your body instead of just relaxing and be like, you know what? You are good enough as you are. Just chill out and be comfortable, relax. Your audience is going to relax. And what you have is good. And if they don't happen to like it, that's also okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so, so you need to identify what's really the root cause of that. Maybe say, I haven't practiced, I haven't trained. Okay, well, we can work on that. That's, that's pretty simple. Let's work on it. Let's, let's find a system so you can remember your talk. There are ways to remember a talk. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you should remember it word by word. But, right. you know, there are memory techniques. So, so you can teach, I can teach them that, you know, um, it, it's pretty simple to use that. Um, so, so you find the root cause of their fear. And, and typically what I find is it, it stems from the childhood, you know, some issues where, you, you know, you, you had some wounds there. Uh, and then I just show them, you know, the process, they get comfortable. Oh yeah, that's a great structure. You can see how you built that up and, and we work a little bit on, you know, how to use your hand, how to stand. Um, but it should primarily be pretty comfortable. I mean, I'm not a big fan of people, you know, I see a lot of speaker trainers be like, oh, then you should have your hands, you know, up here if it's energetic and a little bit down if it's more solid and, you know, you got to do a lot of voice warm up and your shoulders back. No, just chill, man, you know, 
feel good, and you're going to be great. So a lot of people they might want to write their speech down and then they afterwards think we should put on the body. No, mm -hmm. be you know natural, confident. If you start to teach people about body language and, and say, you got to do this with your hands, it becomes inauthentic because the body does something a little bit before we speak. Mm -hmm. It's kind of helping us or the listener to understand what's coming but if i'm if i'm doing it at the same time i'm starting to think about it it becomes unnatural so eventually you just want to relax and chill um but the, yeah there are certain things you know you you can teach how to stand you don't you don't want to lean towards one side or stand up against the wall sure. stand behind a desk <clears throat> you know you want to be open and comfortable and you know you want to be a little bit on the left a little bit in the center a little bit on the right you know, so you move. get to connect with people mm -hmm. in different ways. Maybe you have a key takeaway phrase and you pause, boom, you know. So, Esker, there's there's some really good nuggets in what you just did there. Um, and, and whether it was intentional or not, but you just did what a compelling presenter and storyteller does. When you were describing your relationship with your father and the fact that you got a 10, and he said, why is this not an 11? As you were telling the story, you described the town, how big it was. You described the house up on the hill, the cobblestone streets, you approaching with a test in your hand and how you felt. You were proud. You were excited because he cared about the science and the technical grades. And you, you felt like you just delivered, right? You were excited. And then you described how he was walking out the door. And you, I mean, you set the tone. I, I was visualizing that town, that street, I, I, I envisualized the color of the house, by the way, as you were describing that story. So if you're thinking about helping um, someone who hasn't done this and you share that story with them and what motivates you and how it shaped your early presentations that you were trying to give too much to impress and you got out of your own, you said, I got out of my own body. I stepped out of my own body. It, there's there's so much there, and I think you help your clients. You disarm them, right? They they go, geez, if he's gone through this, maybe I can maybe I can get there. And you start to dig a little deeper. I'll I'll give you a a, a funny story about that that kind of ties that together. So my daughter's wedding, the father of the bride gives a speech, okay. and my crew knows I'm a I'm a speech giver. So there were people kind of excited about what speech what's what's Pete's speech going to be like and we need to record it. Well, my speech was awful. I will tell you, it was just, it was probably one of the worst ones I've given. It was just terrible. And what's funny is my uh, son-in-law's best man, they both played soccer at Duke together. And we got to know Slotty. He's a really great kid. Was so nervous about the best man speech. He was petrified to give this speech. He was nervous about going after me. He wrote it. He practiced it with his teammates when he came back into town. And he gave up he came up and gave his speech after mine. And I was standing next to three of my friends. Asgar, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's the, it's the best, best man speech I have ever seen delivered. Wow. It, it, it was funny. It was, it was heartfelt. It was thoughtful. It, it, it told stories. It tied it back to my daughter and Chase, her husband, and the moments they had together. It was 100% sincere. And what's amazing is his delivery was spectacular. He paused. 
he let the laughter sink in. He was humble. He, 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 I, I'm, I'm not kidding you. We, he, he finished and my friends looked at me and said, dude, that guy just schooled you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you're right. I, it was amazing. So as you're describing your story and your techniques, I'm thinking about Slotty and, and I'm going to give Slotty a shout out when, when we post this, okay. I still think about his speech because he was I don't know that he's ever done it before. I literally don't think he's ever done a public presentation like that before. And he did everything you just described. He told stories. He paused effectively and he stayed in his lane. He didn't try to be anybody other than himself. And it was just perfect. And I can imagine if you were his coach, you would just be sitting back there going, wow, that's so fun to see. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he could, uh, yeah, crush it on stage. Cause and that's also the thing, you know, because if he had done so well on that one, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to do it again. You know, we all have good days and bad days, but then I remind myself, yeah, that was that time it went amazing. So yeah. I know I have it within me and, and Slotty, maybe he can think about that in the future. You know what? I did that best man speech. I was fantastic. So now he just needs to find a way to do it again. Yes. Because he has it within him. So he should feel confident. Okay, I just need to find it again. What did I do to to get there? You know? And being authentic, you talked about, you know, some people coach you about how to stand, where to put your hands, how to act, put on your speech body. I'm with you. I I, I think you need to be true to yourself. And the advice I give most people when they ask me, you know, Pete, what should I do in this presentation? Is you you hit it earlier. I think there's only two things I tell them. Know you and know your audience. If you have those two things covered, you can make the connection. So if you're typically presenting on something, it probably means you are the smartest person in the room on that particular topic. Yeah. Right. So be confident. You you wouldn't be up there if you didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. And if you know your audience, you hit some really good points. If it's the last presentation of the day, don't be the longest presenter of the day. No, right? you, you need to shape it so, so yep. they get the most value mm -hmm. out of it. Yeah. Bringing value is the most important thing. It's actually the only thing that's important. It is. And and you can see the community where you and I met, which is LinkedIn, right? Yeah. That is the, that's the mantra right now. Don't worry about how many likes you're on. Just bring value every single day. And the videos you post are always something of value. And you're just offering it up there, right? You're just saying, here's something I think you can learn from. And that's how people connect with you. Yeah. Let's I shift think, gears. Um, go, yeah. go ahead, please. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that that's true. And and, and people, some people are afraid that, okay, people are not going to contact me because oh, I always share all this information. But you know what? In the end, people still need help with the implementation. Oh, yeah. Information for free, implementation for fee. Uh, and they're going to come to you anyway. Um, because we, in the end, we need that help with the actual implementation. And just having a coach that you know, I'm, I'm getting mentored as well. And, you know, I, I get more done if I know, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to meet my coach. That's going to, I'm going to meet with, instead, if I didn't have anybody, I'll put it off next week, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's always valuable to have someone coach you. Yeah. So let's shift gears for a minute and, and talk sure. about your, your business. Let's talk about your yeah. coaching business and you're a TEDx trainer. Sure. Um, wh where describe your, uh, your, your most frequent type of customer who's seeking you out and what are they looking to accomplish? Yeah. So I, I typically have two kinds of customers. 
Mm-hmm. I have uh, people that, you know, that have a burning desire for something, typically within personal development. And then they want training on yeah. how to deliver a killer speech because it's part of their business to go out and speak. Uh, maybe it's to make online courses, attract clients to one-on-one or actually get paid to speak. And yeah. then we build, how do you make a transformational uh, teaching? You know, how do you transform people? Not just deliver information. So that is both a personal aspect where we go deep. Like I talked about, sometimes it's a lot of coaching, mm-hmm. um, even though it's communication. So that's a typical client uh, I could have that come to me. Uh, the second group I have is engineers, uh, researchers, where I go and do workshops. Yeah. I'll go do a three, four-hour workshop and train them how to deliver a technical presentation uh, because I obviously use my own background as, as an engineer and uh, also having worked as a PhD student and a consultant in the oil and gas business. So a lot of people, oh, yeah, I ask or he knows. You know, he, they can see I've been in their position, so that gives me a bit of credibility. Um, so I help them uh, with their workshops. What I found uh, a little bit hard is once I've been there um, to really get them to go one, one-to-one training, it really good. Um, a lot of the engineers and researchers, they tend to look at it as a little bit like it's a, a skill that's nice to have, but it's not really that needed. So a three-hour workshop, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, but I think you need more. You need that one-on-one to really move, even just three sessions, you can get really far with. Mm-hmm. And you can enjoy that investment for the rest of your life. Imagine Certainly. you buy a pair of shoes, you know, how long are they gonna last? You know, maybe a couple of years at best. But this investment that you make in yourself is for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the best investments we can make in ourselves and those that last a lifetime. Um, but well, people tend to think I'm busy, you know, um, or maybe I'm not a good and good enough salesman. I don't know. You might find another Asger in the audience though, right? So someone oh, who's yeah, sitting no. there and goes, wow, I, I happen to like this part of my job. This would be great. How do I learn more? Yeah. Yeah. No, that does happen too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I'll be curious to see how your career evolves using this type of technology, right? Zoom, doing training, because this isn't a new art form as well, right? Being able to do this over a Zoom call, let alone standing in front of an audience is challenging. How would you help someone adjust their their presentation style or delivery doing it over video? What's it? I want to leave the audience with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so video, yeah, that's a totally, uh, not totally, but it, it's quite a different format. It's mm-hmm. a little bit harder if you have a group together to do uh, exercises two and two, and it's a little bit harder to, I mean, there is a delay to it as well sure. because it's a little bit harder to connect through the screen. Mm-hmm. So most people need to put aside a little bit more time. That's what I discovered once I started doing workshops online, you know, to set aside a little bit more time um, for that. And then you, you need, uh, see, it's good if you can see your hands. So they're a little bit animated. It gives a little bit more energy if you mm-hmm. have that every now and then. Um, instead of just looking into a screen all the time. Yep. Um, so, and then really just looking into the lens yeah. because that's where the eye contact is. So even when we're speaking, a lot of the time, you know, I prefer to obviously look at your face, mm-hmm. um, but I know for the audience, they have more value if I look in the, in the lens. Sure. So a, a great little tip right there is just put up a smiley, uh, you know, one of these yellow notes and uh, smiley. Um, so remind yourself to smile and look at the lens. 
uh, that helps. Uh, it, it is quite demanding to do because, you know, it's easier to look at you. Yes. That's our tendency to do that. Um, so well, now I'm rethinking well, this yeah. whole thing because I have been looking at you and I haven't been looking at my lens, but, you know, most people are going to listen to this versus watch yeah. it, but. Um, it's okay. It, it's not a big deal. I, I just think it's, it gives a little a, bit, you know. It's a great tip. Extra. It's a great tip. In fact, what I've tried to do is position my camera to be as close to where you are positioned okay. as possible. I need to get that quite figured out. You did a couple things there uh, as you were describing it that were really good. When you moved your hands and you leaned into the camera a couple times, right? So you changed the the perspective of of where you're positioned on the camera, which caused me to notice, right? You leaned mm. in and pulled yourself back, which is what you would do naturally in a conversation with someone. You would lean in to make a point. And you would use your hands. So you're making it much more interactive versus someone just sitting and monologuing, right? You're, that interaction is great. And the smile thing is so important. Yeah. I mean, just, really, yeah. just bringing some comfort to the audience you're talking to. And I, I think letting people know it's okay to make a mistake. It doesn't need to be perfect. It, it shows in, you're in fact, human. In fact, that's why we learn. Sometimes I say, if you don't share your failures uh, your failures will be shared by others. Right. Or you, um, you, you fail, just, oh, how do I say it? Your, your failure story should go viral. Otherwise mm -hmm. failure will go viral. Um, so, you know, too much learning is not, uh, we, we don't share our failures. You know, I remember right. when I came from the scientific community, we're doing my PhD, but nobody shares their failures. So, so many articles aren't made because people just want to publish this worked. Well, so you have hit. all over the world are redoing the same mistakes. This is the point of eating crow is talking about how our failures shape us. I think you've just kind of brought it home in a very sweet way. So if you were to, to summarize for our audience, what would be a moment where you experienced failure and sharing that with people brought value? Can you describe one of those moments? Yeah. I remember uh, that was probably about six years ago. I uh, had a girlfriend, she, uh, or she had then broken up with me and we'd been together for five years and she happened to find another guy. And uh, I was trying to do all sorts of things to win her back. You know, I, was, I have no musical talent, no rhythm at all, but she happened to like this guy cause he was a great dancer. And I thought, you know, I can win her back if I just learn to dance. Um, so I did all sorts of things, um, try to win her back. And I went up on stage and shared all those things. And people had a great, great time. They laughed and, you know, and um, the funny thing, when you share your failures, your inner insecurities and your inner struggles, people just like, um, they laugh, they have a good time, but it does something to us. Yeah. I changed, you know, I became comfortable with it. And one of the best things is it's pure therapy for me, sharing my failures, you know, sharing my dad's story. Uh, yeah. It still gets me emotional, but it helps me. Yeah. So for, for us, you know, if you're sitting there, it's a little bit sometimes selfish also to share your own failures because you will feel better. Yes, it is. You know it. You're sitting with a friend. You talk about you have some challenges, issues, and all the guy is doing is listening, mm -hmm. not even offering advice or yes. tips. And you know it. You feel better. That's an art form, by the way. When you have true friends that recognize that moment when they just need to listen and be there yeah. versus offering advice. Yeah. Um, I have a, a follow-up question. Did you ever really learn how to dance? Uh, yeah, I, I got okay at it. Okay. Um, yeah, it was okay. I, I did salsa. Um, <laughs> so, nice. Uh, 
Did you win her yeah. back? She wanted me back. Uh, she did. Uh, but then I, I f- figured out, you know what? I'll go after something better. Good for you. And uh, now I have a beautiful wife, three kids. Um, and you can her, dance. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm okay with that. And uh, I think, you know, eat your crow, like you said. Take the biggest challenge you can. I was forced out into it. And that's actually one of the things that also helped me do a lot of other things. Because it's like, okay, you know, I, I've done this thing. Let me try something else. And it just led me to a, a great path of personal development. Because otherwise... I would probably just had a normal engineering job and I wouldn't have developed inside as much. So mm-hmm. in many ways, it was the best thing that happened to me. Um, yeah. That is uh, without a doubt, the most clearly described eating crow moment I've had on the podcast so far. Well done. It's been a pleasure. I, I, I really enjoyed you sharing the story about your, your father as well. Uh, that helps me connect with your journey and in, in, in why you're motivated to help other people overcome those kind of, you said there's a lot of things we're shaped as children and the mm. fact that you're helping them get comfortable on the stage to do this. Uh, I'll also tell you, Asger, this is some of the best coaching material we've had in the show, right? I've got various, people are going to walk away from this podcast and go, man, I've, I've picked up some things. So I appreciate you sharing that with others. And I, you, you said something I thought was really great, which is info for free implementation for a fee. What a great yeah. thought process. I don't know if that's original or not, but I, I no, think it's great. I got it from a guy called uh, Andy Harrington. Okay. Uh, great speaker, by the way. Um, so, uh, yeah, I can't uh, say that that's my quote. We'll give him props um, for that then. Okay. Yeah, I should have told that. I think if we need to give people the credit they deserve. Yeah, come that's why I asked because I thought it's such a powerful yeah. point, but that, that's yeah. great to know that that came from somewhere and you're applying yeah. it. So, yeah. Asger, wonderful. I appreciate the time. I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about our next episode. Awesome. I want to see how your business grows and, and yeah. share some more thoughts because this is really valuable for any leader or any entrepreneur to figure out how to be a better speaker and convey value to their audience. So thanks so much for the time. Again, we really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Pete. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Asger. If you want to reach out and find out how he can help you become a strong presenter of technical information, you can find Asger's contact information in the show notes. And thanks for tuning in to Eating Crow. Thanks for listening to another episode of Eating Crow, available on all podcast platforms. You can follow Pete on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to join the Eating Crow community. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you soon.